This is not a recruitment podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Powered by People podcast. Today we're switching it up. Uh, we don't have someone from talent in on the podcast today. We have Amar Mystery, CEO of AVC Wise FinTech platform. Um, he's going to tell us a little bit about that. We're also joined um, by Ben Leeson, not Benjamin. Ben, isn't it? It's Ben. Yeah, I like to introduce Bill as William, so... Yeah, but he likes that. He likes William. He likes William. Um, ben Leeson, our, um, our Director of Brand Experience. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, oh, career transitions, really, isn't it? Um, you know, the difference between corporate and startup. We've shared a bit about this previously um, with Ehab um, on uh, on the difference, but specifically from a talent perspective... Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about some of those challenges and, and changes moving from corporate to startup. Um, and uh, yeah, let's get let's get into it, I suppose. So, Amar, why don't you introduce yourself? Fantastic. Uh, yeah, so I'm Amar. I'm the CEO at a business called AVCWise. Um, and what we do is we provide uh, a route to being financially well for the public sector, uh, a service that they've not experienced before. Uh, and what it's currently starting out as is education and services to provide uh, more pensions. So uh, there's lots of future iterations on how we can bring in new products and things, but it's a exciting journey, very very beginning of that. And it's so educating the average Joe on on how to be better with finance. Yeah, in the public sector. Yeah, in the public sector. Yeah. Okay. So so you you'll see a lot in the private sector where you'll you'll get lots of quirky benefits. Yep. But in the public sector, you don't tend to get that type of thing. Okay. Um, so we we have a model that allows us to offer that that's cost effective, um, and it's and it's a really useful service. We've got over four thousand people Amazing. going through webinars this week, just educating them on the benefits to pensions and how they can top up their schemes. Well, I mean, it's it's actually great. Like yes, yeah, amazing, and actually so important. Um, I think uh, our generation are terrible with pensions, right? Are actually actually yeah. awful, like. Uh, I mean, my dad regularly tells me how I'm not investing enough into a pension, and I'm like, yeah, the rent comes to my pension. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the... I need money. We'll sell the yacht. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's one of those things that I don't, I do not think, uh, you know, people think about until they're sort of mid to late thirties, and then it's like panic stations. I, I had a, I had a friend whose whose retirement plan was the demise of his parents. He, he was stacking in <laughs> tents. And he's like, don't worry about it, because what will happen is they're gonna when they die, look at the size of that house, you know, this this will be fine. Like, you won't have anything left. Yeah, see some of us don't have that luxury. I'll just inherit debt. So I've got to figure my way out of that one first. Yeah, but it, it is it is an issue. I mean, you you see it a lot if you're a finance professional and a, a qualified and things myself. There's a resting assumption that you know how to do it. Yeah, people are like, well, you must have a pretty solid uh, retirement plan. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm much like everybody else. Yeah, my skills extend into the business. They're not. They're not. Then you, not, you rarely look at them. Yeah, right. It's only more recently that I've started to think actually, what am I doing? Like, and that's for different reasons. It's more like centered around like what's my 
what are my ambitions, my goals, yeah. trying to achieve it. And that's where my retirement planning became, not because I was sitting there going, why am I not paying into a pension? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, interesting business model. And how long have you been going? So four years we've been going now. Um, so, yes, and it's just been a bit of a rocket ship. It's Amazing. one of these things when you sort of hit, um, again, good good product, good service, but, but it, it, as most tech businesses, it's, it's centred around a core of people that, this is what they love to do. Right? They are passionate about pensions. Um, yep. They they've come from some of the big insurance providers where that's what they sell. But they've come into this and they're like, look, we want everybody in the public sector to be able to have access to uh, this pension benefit, and that that's where they've started and finished. So these guys have just sort of built on it and extended it, and sort of the best products come from a genuine need, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. There, there clearly is. So that's exciting. So obviously we've let a little bit out of the bag there. You're in a startup now. So, um, and you obviously know Ben from Conica Minolta. So not so startup. <laughs> <laughs> not so startup. No, I mean, we, it was quite interesting at KM, right? And obviously we've had Gemma on as well, who's CPO at, at, at KM now. But we kind of matured there, I guess you could say, right? We came yeah. through the ranks together. I started at a similar time, progressed through the SMT and, and then obviously went out at a similar time and that was as harry said anything but a startup um well actually there was the joke that it was like the world's oldest startup because we tried to reinvent the business every like couple of years <laughs> um and they've done so again since you've left right a few times oh, many iterations yeah. and, and gems probably now working on like the um version i would say that is that is actually pretty smart business to you know to be able to continue to to iterate your offerings your products your services in order to keep up with with the demand, it's the people. The the people in that place. It's like that. It's people. <laughs> it is powered by people. In in KM though, they they invested a lot when when you and I were there into that leadership program. Yeah, so we very much. we joined it, and I I was not necessarily a big fan of leadership. I can say that now because I've seen the value of it. But <laughs> but it was one of these things where it's like we well, even got to go on this this extended course, and then and but then we were on a cohort together, and that's where. Ben and I, some of the best things happen, I think. Yeah. And you start to really sort of learn a bit about yourself and what your approach and what your style is. But they've been, they've been doing that ever since. So this, yeah. this leadership program continues. So what what you do by that is you sort of feed this hunger in the the, the next level below that. It's going, okay, your chance is coming. Like, what what are you going to do here? Yeah. And, and that's that's what what you miss, I think, sometimes in, in the startup world. You don't get that. People don't invest in leadership. They invest in tech. They invest in going out and finding investors they don't sit there and go well actually how do i get these people to stay how so, do i involve so true i think also it's you know potentially even a, a as a startup ourselves you almost consider it a luxury to have like a leadership development yeah. program right because you're you're sort of working and grinding away at the, the bottom line and what adds value immediately to that bottom line is considered a bit of a luxury but actually could it be you know something that's actually going to add more value in the short term than considerations on the longer term strategy yeah, maybe with, with that topic has been on a quite a few podcasts hasn't it like i think from a, the startup mentality is obviously focus on that that revenue like we have to hit x amount of number to go through our next round or yeah. we have to hit this to reduce our burn rate and we can go yeah like six months rather than 12 or whatever but i think it's it's it is quite short-sighted because the investment in talent and a good leadership program ultimately is going to impact that revenue in that bottom line quicker. much more yeah and in a more sustainable way yeah. rather than looking at sporadic things to kind of bump up revenue like businesses are powered by people yeah so the 
the investment in that people is investment in people is never going to be a bad one, is it? Mind you've got the right people. But but I think in the startup dynamic, it gets a little bit twisted because you've got investors that are not necessarily invested in the whole team. They they might invest in the founders, and if the founders are really important, and they might sort of insist those founders go on training and have mentors and so on. Really? The rest of the team is interchangeable. Um, you get some VCs that are different. This is true, actually. Yeah. So that perspective is the tech is the IP. That's the most important thing. Yeah. And then when you get into the people side, you don't have. It's not. It's not a tangible return. It's a bit like actually when you when somebody tells you to go and meditate, you can't go and meditate for ten minutes and then all your issues be resolved. It's, it's, it's so like true. It, it's a practice that runs over many years, and then all sort of a sudden you're like, I just feel a bit better today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can't. You you wouldn't even necessarily think it came from meditation. Leadership is the same, isn't it? Like. Maybe maybe something happened because your leadership team were better informed. Maybe it was just luck. Maybe it was your tech. You know, it's not. I've one hundred percent done this as well, where I'm like having a shit week, and then I'm like, right, everyone says meditation's good for you. <laughs> you give it five minutes, mate. Is it better? Yeah. <laughs> Go and sit in the dark on your own for ten minutes. Yeah. yeah exactly. No. It doesn't quite work like that. It's like the well-being stuff, isn't it? When you when somebody's like, we well, yeah, invest in your well-being. It's like, but when when are you well-being? Do you know, like that's right. <laughs> I've, I've done all these things. I've ticked all these boxes, but I've I, I well been. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really true, actually. But like, and that I guess development of people and development of leadership and stuff, it can't it can't be so enforced top down, right? There has to be a desire for it to grow bottom up. The same as we talk about culture in that way quite a lot. You you can't and going into a new role or yeah. in the big chair. Obviously, you've got an idea of how you want to impact that culture, but. You can't go in with an eye fist and say, this is how I'm doing it. This is how I want the culture to be. You can plant the seeds and you can put a framework in, but you need that culture to develop and grow quite organically, right? And I guess it's the same with leaders and development. You can't force development on people. There needs to be an intrinsic one or a desire or a need to develop. Yeah, like I, I, I do find myself <laughs> conflicted on that because going back to what I was saying, but when I did the KM leadership program, I wasn't, I wasn't that yeah, strong. I wasn't that bothered about doing it. I yeah. felt there was better places. It's just a fun away, Dave. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If it, if it hadn't been uh, in somewhere off off sort yeah. then maybe I wouldn't even sort of been on it. But so I, I wasn't your typical candidate of like, yeah, I should get on that. I was more like, yeah, okay, whatever. But now, now when I look at people that you that want to go into leadership programs, I'm like, no, no, I, w- I want to see the desire from them. You know, I yeah. want to see them telling me wh- when yeah. can I learn. But you were the opposite. And I was the opposite. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Somebody sat there and said, no, no, we should get this guy on it. I mean, maybe who? The, who it, was that? Well, I, there's probably some yeah. lessons we could learn from that person. Yeah. They saw something in you. But well, but that that's been a bit of a theme through my life. Actually, I remember I, I worked in McDonald's years back, and um, and I remember going in. And it's just a really funny, quirky memory going into this thing. And, and so at this time, as a 16-year-old, I was like, I do not want anybody seeing me on the, the shop floor of McDonald's. That is not happening. <laughs> so I picked this McDonald's that was a drive through outside of town. And then this guy, the manager, floor manager, comes in and he's like going to me. He's, um, so I'm, I'm on the floor and I'm like, this is terrible. And then he walks in, literally just storms past me. And he just walks backwards, turns to me and he's like, no, 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 this guy can't be on the floor. There's something behind his eyes that's getting him in the kitchen. <laughs> no, that was it. I was dragged into the kitchen. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what he meant. There's something in his eyes. You've got to watch out, Grandma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Like, you, I guess there is that sort of itch with some people, isn't it? Yeah. They've got that sort of, they're always pushing in their own way. Uh, like, you were always a bit like that as well. Yeah. And like, you're trying to sort of find other ways to fix problems or to sort of working outside of your direct remit. 
And I think that's a good tell, actually. If somebody's sort of pushing beyond, uh, I talk a lot about finance people fighting against the stereotype, but if yeah. you do push beyond, then that's when you can really expand your skill set and get into more interesting, exciting roles, really. Um, so you've mentioned the, uh, you know, you've obviously come from a finance background and moved into into the CEO. Your um your LinkedIn's got a quirky uh a quirky <laughs> tagline. What is that? It's uh, how to be a, a finance leader but not a CFO. What is uh, give us some context to that? Well, so so first off, it was me trying to build a LinkedIn audience, but then, but then I realised it was me trying to sort of find my voice, and yeah. then I started to think into what is the thing that's always bugged me. And then I realised it's when people describe me as an accountant. Like, right from the very <laughs> beginning. I came out of university and I was like, I'm never doing finance again. And then ended up back in it um, for lots of different reasons. But throughout my career, it's always been like, look, it's the, just because I'm an accountant doesn't mean I'm really good at maths. I'm not. You know? yep. Used to We've be, all got calculators. Yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah. And I often walk into a meeting with it because yeah. I'm not going to run that number in my head. Uh, so I'm not really good at maths, um, but I'm good at joining the dots in a business um, and and doing that with an, a lens of numbers. So I can look at it and go, well, if somebody's saying they want to go and launch a new business or a new product, whatever it is, I can look at that and go, well, actually, it doesn't quite stack up. Don't always know how those things come to pass. Yep. But in my mind, I can, it forms. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't quite make sense. Yep. So and and for ages I was sort of fighting to climb the ladder. Right, I was trying to sort of get to the next step, more to try and influence the steer a business. Yep. And I'd been a CFO for um, three or four different companies by this point, and it was just a bit dull, you know. Yeah. It's just like it's just it's the same thing every time I go in. Excel, Excel. Yeah, and <laughs> you sort of start to get interested in the strategy, and you sort of pushing an opinion, but it's not your decision to make. Um, and then I was like, look, you know what, you can influence strategy in a business, but you don't have to be a CFO. You can take those finance skills and you can go on uh, and inform businesses in lots of different ways. For sure. But understanding the numbers yeah. without having to be an accountant. Yeah, good. yeah, you see a lot of people that sort of take um, MBAs and stuff like that where they've got a grounding in numbers, but they're not they're not finance people. Yeah, same, yeah. Same principle, really. I think that's an interesting turn of phrase to say kind of you can implement the strategy but through the lens of numbers yeah and i think there's there's a lot of similarities weirdly between the kind of linear path in in finance and probably in brand and, and marketing as well because again you can influence strategy but through the eyes of marketing and your customer and understanding your consumer right but yeah trying to break that stereotype like a little while ago i had like a clickbait linkedin um headline about kind of the the person that orders the crayons for the colour and in department because that's kind of the perception is everything has to be creative and that I'm I can influence marketing strategically. I'm definitely not a creative, the same as yeah. you're technically not an accountant, right? So there's definitely some similarities. But I do think that the the perception and there's a lot of similarities in that growing in your finance role and the perception between a corporate and a startup, right? There's all yeah. these stereotypes that the startup is all cool and it's all about like creativity and mindful sessions and slides in the office and Bing like bang. yeah you get free fruit everywhere <laughs> um and a corporate all has to be shirt and tie and it's yeah. very autocratic in that sense or democratic rather but again those perceptions definitely in the businesses that you've worked in aren't really aren't really the case are they well you've, you've definitely tried to break those perceptions right yeah and i think <clears throat> in conoco um i think the the challenge there was that we were in boxes so I, yeah i was in finance you were in marketing yeah should we even be talking to each other? Yeah, that that sort. We of shared thing. a floor for a little while. That's yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Got. 
yeah, it's sort of yeah. So it was a bit of a weird dynamic, but but then as I say, Conic we invest in that leadership program. Yeah. That's why we did speak, you know, and that's yeah. how you broaden your your horizons. But then in a startup, you go in, and I remember the the very first early stage business I, w- I worked in. It was straight after Conica. Yeah. So in Conica, it was shirts, it was suit jackets, it was ties. Right, that's yeah. what it was there. And then so you can see where this is going. Right? But yeah. So, Went and joined this this uh, this uh, startup, and it was a creative agency. And I walked into the London office in that outfit. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so didn't have a tie on because I was like, "Look, it's, this is a yeah, it's a startup. I'll have it in my pocket just in case." <laughs> but walked in, and then people literally just looked past me, and then they all thought I was the bank manager. Cause, yeah, so the audience yeah. or something. Yeah, it's like, what the hell is this guy? Nobody knew that who I was. I didn't have a laptop. I didn't have a phone. Like I had no way to actually start work. So I sort of walked in, and people nobody even asked it. Like you, a stranger walks into a kind of community, you've got security coming to ask questions. I'm sat <laughs> in the middle of this office, and these people are like, are "You, you under lunch order today?" And I'm like, no way. <laughs> so then, then it sort of evolves, and then like, the the owner eventually calls me from Dubai, and he's like, "Ah, we sent the stuff to to Dubai by accident, so don't worry." You're over here next week, and I'm like, "Am I got a, got a uh, eight month old, or sorry, a wife who's eight months pregnant?" Is that right to Dubai next week? And we get off to Dubai, and then um, I was to walk into the office, and then we're loaded up onto a bus, and we drive out to the desert, right? <laughs> and, and so then what happens is for a night, then um, my wife can't get in touch with me. Then that, I've never returned back. You're just in the desert. I'm just gone. Yeah. And that sort of, the itinerary, all that sort of stuff, is just organised in a corporate. They do that, right? They tell yeah. you, this is what's going to happen, this is what it is. Yeah. Whereas I'm just sort of wandering from one thing to the next. In a startup, it's just as it, whatever happens. Yeah, and, yeah. and definitely lessons to be learned, right? I don't think that's always always helpful. <laughs> uh, it's fun like for a certain period of time, and then you get to a point. And for a certain age range. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, was, I was at the right age range for that. Yeah. If my wife now couldn't get a hold of me for 30 minutes, I think I'd be in trouble. Babies this and babies that. And not just, I'm in the desert, I'll chat to you in a bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're having to climb this big sand dune just to find the only spot that had reception and couldn't get reception. <laughs> it was, oh, don't worry about it, let's come on. We're getting the drinks in, come on. It's like, oh, go on then, let's go and do that then. But sounds like fun to me, I think it sounds great. <laughs> it was, it was. It was it, and actually, it's that vibe, isn't it? Startups, is, it is fun. But then sometimes you lose the the sort of the hard edge of what corporates are. Like corporates have um, people to answer to. Start startups do they have investors, but but depending on what stage you're at, sometimes yeah. you can get away with a lot in a startup. Yeah, I, I would agree. But I, I think the the biggest and I, I did obviously exactly the same going from a a a corporate into into the rec hub. Um, and I think it's just the one is probably the lack of. Structure is probably not not the right word, but yeah, maybe structure. I think when you're in a big corporate, there are it's very clear, it's, yeah, super clear, and that's probably because we mentioned earlier that you have the luxury of PAs and assistants and people that are responsible for one silo, right? So that's the person that's responsible for finance and people that person. care about it, yeah, because that's their, yeah. but that's their their whole job, right? Where yeah. you go into startup world and you're wearing. Like it's a bit of a cliche, but you're wearing multiple hats. Like yeah. You actually are. Like When I joined the Rec Club, I was the marketing and the finance and the ops. And my my biggest that mistake. That was our biggest mistake. Ben looking up yeah, finance. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're Ben looking up finance now. <laughs> um, I remember going... Was like, How do I send it here, boy? <laughs> yeah, so what's his ex? Yeah, I was... He's wearing zero. He's just on it. Give me my friend on the back. 
it's, it's funny how you see accountants try and use Excel for Word and PowerPoint. They'll try and write the whole report in Excel. It's like, guys, that's numbers. Do the image stuff over here. You try. I'll try. I'll try convincing my FD to use Google Sheets. Oh yeah. I, I, I had never will he ever use Google Sheets. I have used it since, but I remember many businesses sort of digging in. I was like, look, I'm not going to Apple, and I'm not using Google. That's and then over time, I was like, actually, it's not that bad. It does work. Apparently, the formulas just aren't at the level of Excel. Yeah, there is some issues. Being in Microsoft Excel is is the you know it's it's the the absolute top class you can get for for a finance. Yeah. Currently, it's a product to suit its need, right? But yeah. going into a startup and not having a a Mac covered in stickers, you must have been like, you must have been shunned out of the building. <laughs> but I did have this is their their way to bridge it. I guess my laptop was it was an orange laptop, so it was a, it was a what was it like an Asus laptop. I remember the coloured Aces. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is it. So, th- so that was my way. Not, I didn't ask for it. That's what they gave me. They're like, don't worry, though. We've got you a really cool you know, non-Apple laptop. But I remember telling them, though, that I actually had worked in Konica. And then the problem with that right, is that they don't sit there and go, oh, wow, what about this, all this fantastic knowledge that you must have from like working in this, such a big organisation? It's like, no, no. Don't Konica sell printers? I was like, yeah. Oh, great, because that printer's not working. Do you find a damn look at it? I was like, no, no, no. I am not the printer guy. There were thousands of maintenance people. That weren't me. Um, so I know I know corporates do get a bit of a hard time. In startup world, we sort of, we buzz off startups. Yeah. But what's the, what's the benefits of being in a corporate? Because like you mentioned one there in terms of having clarity of expectation, of role, responsibility. I mean, we've talked about another in terms of actually having some amazing leadership development programs. What other what other sort of benefits do we think being in a corporate have for that transition to a startup world? Well, I guess sort of picking up a bit from what uh, you were saying, actually, Ben, is that when you join a, a, a role in a corporate, like, Eighty percent of that role's already written, right? Because somebody's yeah. done it, and they've probably done it for many years before yep. that, and then there was someone before that. And you probably got a process, and you probably got yeah. system designs and policies and all the rest of it wrapped around it. So you're not walking into a blank sheet. You're walking into okay. You need to sit in and do that, and you've got a, a small scope yep. for being flexible and doing something different. When you go into a startup, you don't have any of that. Yep. If you've been in a corporate before, you can bring it with you. So you yeah. can go have some ideas about what good process looks like. And and, and then the challenge is that I've seen people go from corporate to startup. It's all a bit about how much of it do you take and how much do you leave behind. Yeah. You don't want to go with really important. Yeah, like you don't want all of that stuff, um, but you do want to build out scalably. And it, yeah, so I, th- I think that, that tends to work. I definitely, I definitely failed at that a little bit with the Rec Hub when, you know, when we first started. I, I really wanted a process and I didn't come from a corporate although Opus could have been considered a corporate in the recruitment world yeah there are only a few like 500 plus sort of headcount biz- recruitment businesses um, and um, and so we had it was as big as I've been in and it was very like um, corporate-ish it had yeah. lots of processes and lots of layers and all that sort of thing so when we started at the Rec Hub, I was, in my head, I was like, we need this, we need this, we need process for that. And I was like, there's three of us. <laughs> that was like 20 people's jobs to do all of those things. So you have to then actually have some realism going, 
this doesn't make sense to have this process and it actually doesn't add value for us right now. Park that to later on and we'll, we'll add that later. I, I think there's... An... Yeah, I would agree with that point. But at the same time, I think for right since the start, we've managed our business, even when it was four people, as if it was a 200-person business, right? Like yeah. We've right from the start, we've put processes in and used systems probably that we didn't need to. We were like 100 people plus. Yeah. But the foundation that we've built has enabled us to then not worry so much about finance or reporting or yeah. pieces because we know we put like the legwork in early doors to enable us to to scale and to grow um, without having to get to 100 people and then reverse engineer everything because our process is only suit five, five person yeah, business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do think at the time it probably felt like a waste of time. Well, right, it like would dividends. Think like hopefully it will pay dividends later. Yeah, yeah. million person org. They spent all weekend like writing yeah. job descriptions <laughs> for FDs and CFOs, and we didn't even have one employee. <laughs> but um, there was definitely parts of that that I think have benefited our growth. Yeah, a lot I think. And some would say partially just the visualization. You know, <laughs> when you're sitting there writing out job descriptions for when you're 150 people. Yeah. You know, you're almost, you know, some people who believe in that power of, uh, what's it called? The law of attraction. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you're but visualizing it to that degree. That is that is one of the the, the good things you can take from a, a corporate, like, because actually there's always, there's whenever you're doing anything in the corporate, often it ends up, certainly in, a, in the functions I was in, but it end up in some sort of board report or yeah or, or output of some description. It wouldn't be just a quick chat with somebody down the pub. It would be an output. But the benefits of doing that is that you you think through all the other the other parts. Like you might sit there yeah. and come up with an idea. Yeah, we can grow this to a million a million pounds in six months, because uh, we're just going to do X, Y, and Z. But then when you're sitting there writing it down, you start to challenge yourself again. Oh, I don't know that that's going to work. And you, it's not you're not vocalizing it. You're just writing it down. Yep. So that process, I think, really really helps. But but the bit that you said earlier on, actually, about when you when you started out with WetCub and you were um, sort of laying out all the processes, I think that that because I had that, but I think it came out of it comes out more of like either a nervousness or an anxiety, yeah. or like a, a sort of you just want to show your your worth, right? Yeah. So you sort of come in and you're like, I just want to create and add some value. Yeah. So I'm just going to do this now. I'm just going to get started. But it's sort of get the difference in a startup is you have time to just sit in that sort of gray zone, you know, yeah. where you're not yeah. doing anything. Um, you're thinking that you've some stuff flying through your mind and you just need to wait for it to settle to know what you need to do next. You have that space in a startup. Yeah. In a corporate, 8% of your time is already captured, so you've got other stuff to do and you you don't have that freedom and space. So true. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I completely agree with that. And I, I think going back to one of your earlier points about when we're talking about the benefits of, of corporates is, and you're hundred percent right. It's very rare that, and I, we're kind of generalizing corporates a little, a little bit, yeah. but um, you're always, it's very rare that you'll have a new role, right? So you always inherit something. Yeah. So I think your, your process and your path of development is already so laid out for you. And it's quite easy to make an immediate impact because you have a baseline that then you can improve on quite quickly. Right. Well, you'd hope that you'd improve yeah. on it quite quickly. When you go into a startup, and our experience with startup is obviously there's no baseline, right? So you don't really know what good looks like. What good looks like? Yeah. So you don't. You've got no point of reference. You're kind of sort of faking it till you make it a little bit and <laughs> trying stuff and seeing what's going to stick. Whereas when you're going into an established corporate in an established role, and that good to to your point is very much established. Uh, yeah. The direction, the vision. There's a lot of clarity at a, 
at a higher level about how you can impact that vision. Um, albeit sometimes you are just a number and impacting that holistic high vision is actually quite difficult. Um, but I think that's, for me, that was a big a big difference. Is yeah. Started day one at the rec cover and I was like, shit, well, what, do I do? what do I do? Like, I've yeah. got no one's... But I don't think we. I don't think we help there. We're just like Ben. Can you do everything? Yeah, <laughs> we've got to do some recruitment. Can you do everything else? Yeah. <laughs> for that, that was to like. I loved it. It was a yeah. completely different challenge, but I, I still loved it. I, I remember we were amazing. walking back once um, from our little office in Stamford, and Ben was like, "I just don't know if I'm doing everything right." I was like, "What do you mean?" He was like, well, "I've just got nothing in my calendar." He's like. I just finished it into it's like my calendar was full every day with meetings yeah. with this i've got nothing in my calendar i was like yeah just got to figure it out yeah. <laughs> so that's it that's the yeah space, isn't it? You just, exactly what you're saying you've got space to think things through yeah, yeah it's, 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 so, it's so true i was on this uh, podcast the other day this guy was big on ai and, and some interesting stuff right because he was saying he took all of his LinkedIn posts and he uploaded them into an agent like a, it's an ai driven agent so it basically meant he had like a personal assistant that would give him the advice that he would have prescribed to somebody else. And so that's an interesting model. But but what he was sort of evolving it along saying that people, I don't know that having people in a business is, is how this is all meant to work. And I was like, like I, can, I can drive with this AI agenting, but leaders in a business, fundamentally what they do is... is Innovation. It's but but it's like it's like the grey area stuff. Like there is nothing exact about the human race. Like, if, yep. if we all knew what our purpose was in life, so true. It's easy. We just march forward and we get on and do. We spend most of our lives trying to work out what it is that we want to do, <laughs> and then we go, "Oh, yeah, I've got five days or five years left to go and make this happen." The same is true in a business. You don't know exactly <laughs> what you're trying to do, and then you've got these leaders on top of it that are going, "Right, okay, we need to try and put order to the chaos. So let's do that for a bit." The AI doesn't fix that because AI like, doesn't doesn't address all those inconsistencies within people, and and then he was sort of we sort of moved it on and stuff, and he was, and I was sort of saying to him, and you sort of forget what lead, leaders have to bring magic um, to a business, and like processes and policies aren't magic, like anybody can write them, but the magic is like you go out and you find a partnership that nobody thought you could pull off, or you manage to convince somebody to join your business that should never have joined, or. You inspire a team yeah. when they're feeling shit to go and do something really special. Yeah, so, and that's why in like startups sometimes you sort of beat yourself up for doing all this policy and process stuff. But the reality is, is you haven't been hired to do that. You've been hired to create that magic and somebody saw that magic in you and you just yeah, yeah, yeah. be comfortable that it will come through at some stage. Well, I guess that exactly goes back to the whole, we've seen them a million times, right? What's a manager and what's a leader? Yeah. yeah. You manage in a certain way and you implement process, but to lead, like, it's a whole different ball game. Yeah, you kind of need people to follow you in order to lead. But, and so, I think in my career, I've seen that the two have been connected as one. You know, like it's a leader is a manager, a manager is a leader. And actually, I was a pretty terrible manager. I still am. Um, but I think I'm a, a fairly good leader. I've been had a free dog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just for the record, it's not free anymore. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, yeah, because, you know, I'm... ADHD, I'm terrible with follow-up. I, you know, if I don't note it down, it won't, it just won't come. And then I'll randomly, me and Ben were talking about this the other day, like we'll have loads of ideas and we'll be, too, yeah, we'll do that, do that, do that. And then I'll, we'll just, I'll forget about it for, forever. And then it'll be like, it's right here. So then I'm like, right, peppering. What's going on with this? What's going on where are we with it? It's like, just relax. Yeah, yeah. So, but managing is not my uh, my forte. Um, leading, 
you know, un, you know, being able to inspire, innovate, be creative. They're, they're different things to being a manager, yeah. um, in my opinion. Um, do you see the same things? Yeah, because there, there's, um, there's a, a book that I, I read uh, called Traction. Um, and it's they they have this um, this entrepreneurs operating system yeah and you see a lot of it in in small businesses but it's really good because what it does it sort of it covers the people issues so it's all about right people right seats so um, is is somebody the right person to have all the company values and then it's are they in the right seat can they technically do that job yeah it covers all the stuff around that but then it also separates the role of the visionary the guy that's actually just sort of looking ahead and just got some some grand plans for the future to the implementer which is the person that actually takes all of that yep. and then converts it into doing and and they are separate roles and and actually I, th- I think it works in small businesses i think that structure there comes a point where actually it's it's not enough yeah you need to move, grow beyond it but early stage i think it's it's a brilliant way of doing it yeah it's interesting and i think we've definitely operated with that with our, our leadership team haven't we we've got uh people that are sort of think because i think as a small business, you can get really focused on looking down at your feet and just yeah. trying to get through the next week, the next month, yeah. the next quarter. Um, and without looking up and thinking, why the fuck are we doing this and where are we going? You, you yeah. can sort of get a little bit lost in that. Um, so, yeah, we it's, it's actually really important. Um, what do you think has been your biggest challenge moving from corporate to startup? Um well, funny enough, I didn't. I didn't have any issues to get in, actually, which uh, which is the normal point. I, I've actually been, getting into a yeah, startup, get yeah. In, but I've always been fortunate with uh, with just network. Actually, they've always been around yeah. to sort of prop me into the next the next thing. But but for me, similar to what you said, I joined and I was um, sort of driving in need to create value and add value immediately, and thinking that all came out of transactional stuff. Um, and then, and then, actually, as time goes on, your, your education matters, right? Like, yeah. Um, and I, I wish people had said that a bit more when I was younger, but it really does. When you're going into, when you're going into owning and managed businesses, it's less of an issue. When you're going into VC-backed tech businesses or PE-backed tech businesses or growth businesses, the the point is, is they want to see caliber, and your education is what what sets that out. So yeah. I, I have struggled a bit with that, like. I, I sort of had a really solid run through GCSEs and A-levels and then at university decided I was just going to kick back. Yeah. So, so probably did that for too long and then sort of had to scramble in my final year. Um, and then university loan on booze, yeah? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, there's lots of funny stories from that. But it was it was just Different one, podcast. Yeah, different podcast. <laughs> Later earlier, I think. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it was it was good. It was... It, that, that, it helped... To look back on it and go, look, actually, if I'd have just done a bit, bit more work, because there is jobs that I've missed out on because I didn't have the right education, uh, which is sad. Um, and then, and then I, I made business personal. Like there's, just, there's a story, right? Where um, I don't know if I ever told you this, Ben, but it's, it's what are the, the a scarring memory that I have from a, a, a pitch that I did once. So we had these these investors, and um, we'd we'd pitched to them right at the beginning of like this is our seed fund. We we pitched to them, um, and they were sort of half interested, half not. And we were like, right, fine. Then walked away, and then then we came back to them, and then they said to yes, yeah, look, we're interested. We, we'll put stump up some cash. So we're like, great, they were going to do this, put the money in. We had the commitment as much as you get a commitment from an investor, and then we started building a business plan on the back that we had this commitment. 
And then um, it, they, they just were grenade, they pulled out. And then we're like, crap, well, we don't have the cash to see this through. So then like, as the leaders in the business, we're having to forego salary and things. And then um, we had a, a really neat term with this business. We hit a big uptick. And then we're like, right, they, they want to see us again. So I was like, look, right, these guys are old school. Uh, so I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get under their skin with this. So I went into this meeting and it was like, every other time we've been in, it was formal. It was like, um, shirts, ties, suits, shoes, all that sort of stuff. So I walked, went in with like uh, a t-shirt, a jacket on, no tie. Uh, you were trying to mix it up a little. Yeah, yeah, but not not for not to because I wanted to be cool on the day because I knew that would hurt them. And then I went into this thing and I was like, and it was personal. I was I I sort of was pissed pissed you off previously. Yeah, and then yeah. but then the worst thing about it is that I got schooled in that meeting. This guy, this guy, I don't know, just saw me coming because we sit down. And me knowing what I'm doing there, he, the first thing he said, he starts on this, off on this rambling story about sometimes I bring people to my house and, and when I do, it's an event, you know, it's a special thing. And sometimes I go to their house and the same thing, it's a special thing. But when I go to their house, I, I respect their traditions. And I'm like thinking, oh, this is, well, let's get to the point. Are you in their house, by the way? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're in their house. <laughs> and goes to me and you turn up to, to this meeting, serious meeting, serious money, and you don't even wear a tie or shirt. And you'd think I'd, I'd know how to answer that. I didn't. I was like, scrambled. I was, you were just sitting there like that. Yeah, I was like, well, <laughs> yeah, fair play for calling it out, but I wanted you to be secretly hurt, not overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> so now so I'm sitting there like trying to sort of recover this and then I end up walking out of the meeting thinking God, we blew that pitch and I never even wanted to win the pitch because <laughs> like man. he blew your he owned it yeah he, he owned. but it was like it was all about like don't just don't make it personal like, like he I, I guarantee this guy doesn't even remember my name anymore but he's like he's it was never personal for him it was all just it was about, a, look, a business decision it stacks up it stacks up and we'll do it if it doesn't it doesn't and we won't you know it's so true actually when in in all forms of business and you know, we've we've got four shareholders in our company, and and from start starting that, and to four years, nearly five years later, there's been lots of uh, great stuff, lots of arguments, lots of disagreements, because sometimes in business you take it personal. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. Yeah, it's this. You know, it's just simply uh, opinions around how we move forward, and you know, sometimes you're just looking at the figures but as it- opposed to understanding. Personal, not, not including feeling. Plug you again, but it is the people that make it personal. How how by people? <laughs> not necessarily like the the interactions you're having with your shareholders or your yeah. investors, but you know what you represent is the people behind you, and that yeah. that's where I was off balance on this. Was like you really unsettled a lot of people here. Like the impact of them reneging wasn't just on me; it was on the my the rest of my leadership team. Yeah, the people that work for me. Everyone that had to take salary cuts coming up to Christmas. You know all well, of these things. Yeah, so you really, it really did. Yeah, punch. And and I and I'd like to think that I'd be better at that next time, and I wouldn't take it so personally. But it's it's, it's tough. It takes a lot of self control. Hundred percent. Yeah, that would that would really kill anyone. I think that's a, that's a, to then just walk back in there as if nothing happened would be really hard for any yeah. any business. Yeah. But I do think to kind of round this up, I think that taking it personally, I think also fuels like a passion. Yeah, I quite true. If you didn't, if you didn't care, and there wasn't that impact, that kind of innate, deep feeling impact, you might not have been the right person to be driving that business forward anyway. Like, mm. if you're the kind of leader that was like, "Oh, I don't care that my team had to take a pay cut at Christmas," like, such is life. Oh, like, they work did, for, yeah. Do they, they want to work for you? Yeah, if yeah. that didn't bother you, 
for, for me personally, I'd be more worried if it didn't bother you. And yeah. if I was one of your guys and I knew you was going into that meeting with your, with your vest and your flip-flops on, <laughs> like, <laughs> to, like, to like fight for me and to try and right the wrongs, like those personal wrongs, yeah, I would that would make me respect you all the more. So I completely get like the the narrative of like it is just business and we say that quite a lot like it's not personal but i i think there should be a bit of feeling and personality yeah. like maybe that's and again maybe that's the difference between a startup and a corporate like i i've always been passionate about the businesses i worked for and would always want to fight for the best but yeah i've never cared as much as i do now yeah regardless being a shareholder or whatever but, but, but i think startups though don't always have uh that 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 placing isn't always in the right spot like they don't it's not always a, a big care for the people yeah because as a founder you're looking at your 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 vcs or your investors like and you're you're following what they say if they're sitting there going to you look you do this you do that that's what you're interested in yeah of course. Uh, they're talking about your tech they might touch your dust on your senior leadership team but it's not a big driving point yeah so so you're not you're not being poked on people a lot and so then when it comes back to the people you're also trying to be impervious as well. Like, look, I, I don't care if you leave. You leave. You know, if you think you can get yeah. better than not being a friend, rocket, yeah, half and do it. Yeah. Yeah. So you, so you're always trying to do that sort of puffing out your chest. So, so you do see these things, and then then that leaks into the thing we said earlier, where you don't then invest in the leadership teams. So yeah, you want to if, if you're lucky enough to run a startup for I don't know four or five years, if you haven't invested in that that team, they're not on a program of growth. You're not going to hold on to them. They're just not. Why would people stay there? You know, unless the, unless the business is a rocket ship, but even then, you're probably looking at it going, look, that person was really good when we were like 10 people, but now we're 100. We probably need somebody who's run a business at this next level, rather than yeah. if you'd have put... We need to get better out of finance, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it needs to stop sending our invoices. Yeah, <laughs> yeah completely agree. Uh, um, so, uh, a closing tradition on our podcast, which we didn't copy from any other podcast, Um is that we ask the previous guest to write a question for our next guest. In the current economic climate, what value does a talent leader bring to an organisation? As a CEO, um, I don't know if you have a talent leader in your business. What value do you think, do you have one, firstly? Yeah, so we've, we've actually got the, the lady that um, taught Ben and I to be such excellent leaders. Oh, really? Yeah, she's our leadership coach. And, and actually, the business... The business is, is invested in leadership right from the office. It's four years old. Amazing. Um, and there's been leadership programs running through that business throughout. And actually, so I, I'm newly arrived into this business, but I can see from the outset how we, we turnover is really low in the, in the company. Yep. Um, you go around and you talk to people and there is a, a philosophy of leadership. There's, a, there's an approach to yep. help you again. There's a consistency as well um, that comes from investing in that. Yeah, in that that program, and and I think that's where, like, if you're a talent manager, then what are your options? You're either going to go and bring people in, or you're going to try and develop the ones you've got. Within. And and I think I don't think it's right to say it's best to bring people in solely or just to develop internally. Yeah, the balance fits. Um, but so today, as things sit with with the way obviously economy crashing and things like that, um, yeah, invest in your people, right? Like, put the time and energy into to building these people up, show them the skills for what your business will be in the future. So when you're sitting there and you're 
aspiring for what you want to be in five years' time, you can work that backwards and go, well, that means that this person here, Ben's going to have to be a finance director. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, God. I feel like that's going to be a really expensive transition. <laughs> Crayons all around. <laughs> but look, and then I, I guess going out to market, it's it's all about your your proposition. Yeah, like we, we we were talking earlier actually, and I've, I've joined a few businesses now uh, when they've been fully remote. And the hardest point about that is that you 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 end the company the previous job you were in, and you're sitting mm-hmm. at that same desk, the laptop at home. Yeah, and then the next day you start your brand new journey, but it's the same desk, same laptop. We, what makes we, it we were literally just talking about this before the podcast started and, and I've never thought about it before. Yeah. With more and more businesses being fully remote, you start, you quit one job on, you know, say the Friday, you're starting a new job on the Monday and nothing changes. Yeah. If you're, exactly your environment is exactly the same, maybe you get a new laptop. Um, but otherwise, one. I don't think you nice orange Acer. Um, but otherwise, nothing else has changed until you meet a few people. But you're still just meeting people virtually yeah. in the same environment. In your, you know, for some in their bedroom or whatever. Yeah. Um, and 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 I, I've never thought about it like that. So actually, developing that onboarding, that proposition, who are we and what do we stand for, is going to be so so pivotal. Yeah, because it's so easy now to switch lanes. You could yeah. give up a job and not even tell somebody you're you're looking. Yeah. You can yeah. take interviews now during your working day, and nobody knows about it. Yeah, so easy. Yeah. You don't need to. Oh, you get me all sorts of anxiety, am I? <laughs> why is so and so set up in a suit today? You don't matter why. You think no camera on usually means they're in bed. But no, they could mean they're in a full suit and they don't want to give you too much. Yeah. Like, that's too much away. But that's, that, I guess that's the the big role that a, a good people leader or, or any leader in a business, talent leader, yeah. talent leader can, can play, right? It's, it's very quickly trying to immerse somebody in your your business your brand your culture um and i guess that's something that used to be very easy kind of traditional as we said you'll go into a new office and you'll go to your new desk and you go into a meeting room that's surrounded in branding and yeah. posters or whatever so you feel very quickly part of that that business it's like you can tangibly see who you're working for but yeah. when that was was taken away or the shift has happened um it's been a real, I guess, a real cultural shift to, yeah. for businesses to try and effectively onboard remotely. And mm-hmm. I think that is definitely a role for leaders and people leaders to, to play in order to yeah. make someone feel well, part of a business. It used to be like hollow, right? I remember like at Conica, it was like, you'd have it on the mouse mat, so that so you knew where they were. But it's like, and so what? Now it's a, a lot of other values are defined by just, there was on the mouse mat. Rather <laughs> But but like it didn't matter. Whereas now it's like those values are your your company's identity, and trying to yeah. get that sort of your north star almost. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's what makes you you, right? So we we do. Um, this wasn't my uh, thought process. It's just what the company always did. They do daily daily meetings, fifteen minutes with each team. They're getting together, and everyone just goes around and says what they're doing. And I, I remember that they told me about this before I arrived, and I was like, oh, that seems a bit wooden, right? But the thing that's really useful about it is our people obviously talk through what they're doing through the day, but because they've been doing it so long, they do it quickly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm doing this because of am right. It's like they'll talk about it, and then you get a chance to hear. But you get a, a, How did they get good at that? Because we tr- we've tried that so many times. It's like each person takes 30 minutes just to go through what they're doing in the day. I think it's one of those, you know, <laughs> like you said, when I was trying to create processes and blah, 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 <laughs> probably out of nervousness and anxiety. I think when people are working remotely they have a tendency to over exaggerate what they're doing in a day 
Yeah. Because there's that, I want people to know that I'm doing stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sitting here at home doing fuck all. I'm doing stuff. So I'm going to tell you every little detail about my day. Yeah. But how do you how do you how do you how do you get people to condense that into like a? But well, I guess they've they've sort of there's that if you're starting out with it, I guess how you might do it is you get you know get the people that are really slick and succinct to doing it and get them to start it like if yeah that's a good idea starts doing it in thirty seconds everyone's going to follow suit yeah but but um, AVC wise we've just been doing it for ever, ever since inception right so, so it's just become yeah. part of the. Yeah. The culture and the DNA. I, I just remember, like in remote businesses, sometimes you'd sort of you'd never have heard somebody's voice, right? That that's a weird thing, isn't it? You work yeah. in a business as a leader, you never heard somebody's voice. Yeah. So they, and then when you hear somebody's voice, you get a little bit of an insight into that personality. Are they, yeah. yeah. Like, are, are they are they outgoing? Are they a little bit more shy? You get all those sort of yeah. personal cues, don't you? Whereas this gives you that opportunity. All of a sudden, you're like, oh yeah, oh, and so they sound a bit rough today. So yeah. ease off on that person. Yeah, and, and I never used to do it. I used to just be like, look, it's more efficient not to sit here and just all just chat for twenty minutes at the start. How many people on a meeting is too many? Well, we have the whole company on two meetings a week. That's seventy-five people, um, and um, I mean, it's you've got to you've got to do the whole hand up when people want to raise a question. Yeah, sort of stuff. Um, oh no, I know. Th- I think six is about the limit. I'm I think just... so. I think so. If you're going to do those daily 15 minute stand ups, yeah. Any more than six, it becomes a bit either too long in like what everyone's doing, or if you're having a conversation. I mean, we we tried it, didn't we? And we had to change up. We used to do like an end of week meeting, and everyone would just have a beer and have a chat. And after 10, 15 people, it was just like. This is just chaos. <laughs> everyone talk, everyone's talking over each other, and then everyone goes silent because everyone's talking. Yeah, and everyone trying well, to talk. Yeah, silence. but we had that raw. I mean, it's not an original thought. We nicked it up for somebody, but that a meeting you should be able to share a large pizza. That was the thing, wasn't it? Oh uh, yeah, I think that was Amazon. Yeah, Amazon's pizza team. A good, yeah, uh, a good piece actually about how they run their meetings. If you're going to run a meeting, yet there's a six-page docket that you have to pull together that sets out. What the issue is, a little bit like what I was saying before, like it's a report that says this is the issue, this is why it's an issue, um, these are some of the options that we've been thinking about. And everybody receives that before they arrive. And then there's there's guidance. On it's, and it's six pages. Six pages. For, for every meeting. It would stop the unnecessary. It, it, it's unnecessary. I wouldn't have any meeting. <laughs> well, it's, into we would have meetings about a meeting that we're going to have like next month <laughs> so we'd end up being like three meters in and we've not even had a meeting yet that's <laughs> what <laughs> so this isn't even about so they're definitely kind of loads of if somebody knows they've got to write a six page report for me yeah and i'm going to sit for no reason yeah, yeah. but it, also there's six people in a meeting leading to sort of good organizational design and that's like the limit of how many somebody can manage you know yeah yeah exactly that yeah effectively yeah yeah i think bill had 30 at one point we had to figure that out yeah so <laughs> <laughs> that was a bit too crazy yeah. so um amar thank you so much for joining us um it's been brilliant i've i've got a to-do list um on what what i'm gonna now have to do for our leadership team um and if your leadership coach is going free let's let's have a chat with her <laughs> shout out to alison hendry butler <laughs> So does she want to be on the podcast? <laughs> she would be a great yeah, guest, actually. Really get Let's get her on. Alison, you're up. Um, thank you so much, mate, for joining us. Thanks, Ben, again, for uh, for joining us. Um, and thank the seven listeners for listening. Um, come back next time.